0: If you are new here, we uh, we are in a series called Rest, uh, and here's what I hope happens today. Um, I hope today that you are able to walk with more faith and trust in Jesus today than you had yesterday. And even better, I hope tomorrow you're able to have more faith and trust in Jesus tomorrow than you do today. And in particular, during this series, I hope that we as a church, whether you're here online, or whether you're there online or whether you're here in person, I hope that we as a church can learn what it means to rest in Jesus. Because what we've seen is that Jesus offers a very particular kind of rest that really is only available to those who know him and follow him. And this rest is different than like taking a nap, although I'm a huge fan of naps, right? It's different than a good night's sleep, although I'm a huge fan of a good night's sleep. It is a rest for our souls, and, and as we mentioned for the family engagement piece, uh, today we're going to talk about what it is to rest from performance. And so our text today is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. And, and as you're turning there, I don't know if, if y'all know this about me, but there was a season in my life where I wanted to be an actor, right? I wanted to be an actor. and here's It was in fourth grade. Uh, the season was not very long, and and here's what had happened. Like great stories start with, okay, what had happened was right. Well, here's what had happened. What had happened was my best friend was auditioning for the part of Charlie Brown because our school was putting on a Charlie Brown play, right? And he was auditioning for Charlie Brown, and I thought if he's Charlie Brown, I need to be his Linus right? Because we're best friends. We go together. This seems natural. Well, we auditioned. He got Charlie Brown. My audition did not quite go the way I had hoped. Uh, I did not get Linus. I actually did not get any part in the play. I got to be the stagehand that brought Linus's piano out for him when he needed it, right? That was my role. It was then, too, that I discovered I really enjoy working backstage more than I enjoy being on stage, which I think what I'm doing right now makes that pretty funny. But, but I enjoy working backstage. And and what I did, that that launched me on something where I worked backstage in community theater for years. I worked backstage in our high school productions uh, almost all throughout high school. And during that time though, I became really close friends with actors, some people who are still acting today. Like I was watching Longmire, this was years ago. And I was like, was that Tina Parker? I think that was Tina Parker from high school. So I paused it, took a shot of it and sent it to her. And I was like, this is you, right? And it was like, like and we worked together. Well, here's the deal. Being that close to actors, I got to see how much work they put into their craft. Like, like, literally, they do this, this warm-up, right? They do this warm-up where, where, and I got to help them with this. That was so fun. Where, like, for 15 minutes, they're doing these words and contortions with their face so that when they're on stage, they can project loudly. Uh, it, it was fascinating to watch. I, I, I watched them put on layers of makeup, like layers of makeup and put on these costumes that were incredibly uncomfortable. I even worked with one person for hours on one line just to get it right so that they could be on their mark, so that they could nail their line just right because it was like this pivotal point and they didn't want to mess it up. And here's one of the things that, that I discovered during all of that is this. It's that performing takes work right performing takes work it actually takes a whole lot of work like that's just a little snapshot but but see here's the payoff to that work there's a payoff to it on opening night right if you've ever been in a stage production you know what happens on opening night you're not sure if this thing is going to actually work right like everything comes together and and there's this energy in the room Right? There's this energy where people are anticipating something great and, and there's this energy in the room and you can feel that on opening night. But, but it's not just what happens on opening night, it's what happens when that last line is spoken, when the curtain drops for the last time and the actors are standing there wondering how the audience is going to respond. And then you hear it and you hear the applause, Right? And you get something in you that, that feeds your soul when you hear that applause, that they liked it. Right? They liked it. And then, and then you read the critics the next day and they said, what a great show. And they liked it. And there's something in you that, that, that is, this, is this reward. And see, here's the deal about performing. Performing not only works hard, but performing works hard for a specific reason. And that's to get an applause. Right To get an applause from the crowds and to get an applause from the critics, that's what drives performing. Now, here's why I start with this story. You see, I think each of us have a performer in us. And I'm not just talking about the Enneagram. I'm not just talking about people wanting to be an actor. I don't think everybody necessarily wants to be an actor. But I think there's a part of us that works hard to get the applause of a crowd or to get the applause of a critic. Now your you're, you're, you're crowd and your critic might be different, but there's a performer in us that bases our worth. In other words, whether we are a success or whether we are a failure on what the crowd and the critic say. And, and so your crowd and critic may be completely different. Like, like your critic could be the voice in your head of your mother, right? Or your father. And anytime you do something that's not right or anytime you do something that's not perfect, you hear that voice in your head saying, There you go again, not doing what I asked you to do. There you go again, failing. And everything in you works hard to hear that voice say, Good job, I love you. Right? That's the performer in you. Maybe, maybe, maybe your crowd is is the team and, and the coach that you play on. Right? When you do good and you and you make the score, you feel like you're a success because guess why? The 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 team is cheering you on, the coach is smiling, but when the Game comes down to the final point, and it's you, and you take the shot and you miss. You feel like a failure because, because the team's not cheering, the coach is disappointed. That's that performer in you where your worth, you're, whether you are a success or a failure, is based on what others say. Or maybe your crowd and critics are likes and subscribes on social media, right? You think, oh, this is the post that'll get some hits, and it doesn't, right? And, 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 and so you feel worthless. You so see, here's how you know that you're performing in a certain area. And it's this. Performing happens when your worth depends on the results. Right? Performance happens when your worth depends on the results. You see, and when you and I do this, it takes work. And it takes a whole lot of work. It takes a lot of work to get the crowd and the critics to cheer. It takes a lot of work to get that applause. Well, well what we're going to see today is that Jesus actually offers us a very special kind of rest from performance. A rest from our worth being determined by our results. Now, as you've seen last week I talked about this hammock that we have cuz I mean, an Eno's a great place to rest, right? Oh my gosh. Have y'all sat in the Eno? Have y'all laid in it? So let me try that again. And Eno's a great place to rest, right? Yes. yes. Okay, well here's the problem. in this hammock, I've got all these all these pieces of wood in here. Like like you wouldn't want to rest in here with a piece of wood and, and so this piece of wood is what I'm pulling out today, and it's the, the, the block of performing, because no one wants to get in here when there's these blocks in here. That'll, that'll prevent some rest, and so, so we're going to just set that right there, because that's what Jesus gets rid of in our soul, is this, is this desire to perform, and we work really hard, and that's what we're going to see today, is this rest from performance. And I got to tell you, though, you might be surprised with where we go, because here's the deal. I'm not going to tell you that your critics don't count. Because your critics might actually have some truth for you to hear. And I think it's very important. I'm not going to tell you to ignore the crowd. Because the crowd might actually have something for you to make you better, to make you walk in more faith and trust in Jesus. Actually, what we're going to see is not what to ignore. We're going to ask, the the scriptures are going to ask us the question of what we're paying attention to. That's what the scriptures are going to ask us. And so it's not going to tell us to ignore It's going to tell us to pay attention. And so let's look at verse 16. So chapter 4. Verse 16, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. There were multiple letters that went back and forth between Paul and, and this church that, uh, that, that he helped start. And so, so they had all kinds of issues and Paul was trying to navigate them through this. And, and, and the tone of 2 Corinthians at this point is more about their heart and their soul and, and, and how that's fueling their behavior. And so this is what he says in chapter four, verse 16. He says, so we do not lose heart. Right, and, and this this phrase "lose heart" is an interesting word because in Greek it means to to be tired and to worn out and exhausted. But what I love about this is when you look at this word, it actually takes two Greek words together as the base and, and kind of creates this new word. And the two Greek words that it takes uh, together is this: uh, it's 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 this idea of of out of, and then your mode of thinking. Is what creates this this word this this word of lose heart and so so what this means in the greek is that what you think actually shapes your behavior right these two words what you what you think shapes what you do and so this this word means that something comes out of what you think your behaviors come out of what you think and so in this particular passage paul is encouraging them to not get worn out do not let your thinking get you to a place where you are worn out and and exhausted you see cuz what you think shapes how you feel and how you make choices and how you live your life and and so he's encouraging the readers of this letter to to think about what they're thinking and this is what he's going to unpack because Paul wants to show us listen there is a way to think that affects the way you live and it is a way to think and live that's kind of this Jesus way of going through life and it's different than what the crowd and the critics will even offer you right it's a way to, to, to live life. And so let's look at the, at the rest of verse 16. It says, so we do not lose heart, though our inner self is wasting away. I want to stop there because I hit my 50s a couple of years ago, right? And, 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 and so when, we, when Paul is saying, like, like uh, though, uh, though our outer self is wasting away, he's looking at his body, right? And he's saying, guess what? Our bodies are getting older. Anybody experiencing getting older, right? It's the weirdest thing. Like when I turned 25, my metabolism just stopped. What was that? Like, I mean, literally, like in one year, I went from being able to eat whatever I wanted and and then all of a sudden I had to exercise and eat well. And then, like I said, I hit my 50s and now I wake up and parts of my body hurt and all I did was sleep, (laughs) right? Like that makes no sense to me. And so, so, so I get it, like, like there's this wasting away. And, and I heard this comedian once, he was talking about dieting and, and, and the, the interviewer was asking him, so tell me about your weight loss journey, when did it start? And he said, well, he said, I was once eight pounds, seven ounces, and I've done nothing but gain weight ever since, <laughs> right? And, and that's what happens, like, like our bodies get older and, and it's easy to, if we focus on that, we get worn out, right? But Paul's going to show us there's, there's something else, because this is just what our bodies do. He says, he says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. How often? Day, does it say day by day? Thank you, Billy. Day by day. So our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so even though our bodies are inching closer and closer to death every day, our spirit has this opportunity to experience life fresh every day, not just yesterday, but today, and not just, not just tomorrow, but I mean, not just today, but, but tomorrow, and what Paul is going to do is he's going to set up this, this choice of thinking for us, do we think about death or do we get to experience life, and he's going to show us how to do that. And in doing that, we can see that there is this rest from performance, because a lot of the stuff that we work for applause is going to be in this section where we focus on, on death. He's going to use another word for it. And what he's going to show us is that actually your worth isn't determined by that set of things to think about. It's actually determined by a whole different one. Look at verse 17. He says, "For this light, uh, for this light momentary affliction." Now here's what's interesting. I know I'm just kind of going through this piece by piece, but, but there's so much here, right? And when Paul says light and momentary affliction, what you're going to see if you were, key, if you were to keep reading this letter is he, he says what those light and momentary afflictions are. Because, because we know from reading other letters in the New Testament, he had some sort of physical ailment uh, that we're not quite sure what it was. Uh, but he also had this lifestyle that was, that was full of suffering. Right? And and what's interesting is you think, man, this is the guy that planted churches all over the known world. This is the guy uh, who was like, if there were celebrity pastors back in his day, he was one of them. And yet his life was marked by suffering. And, And if you want, turn with me to just a couple of pages over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So it's literally just a couple of pages over. In verse 23, so chapter 11, verse 23, Paul talks about what he calls light and momentary affliction. And he says, are they servants of Christ? And he's talking, he's talking about someone else. He says, I'm a better one. And I love this little phrase that he puts in, I'm talking like a madman right now. He says, but, but, but you know, are, are they servants? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. And so here's what his light and momentary afflictions are. Far more imprisonments. So he was in jail multiple times for his faith with countless beatings. So not only was he in jail, he was beat up because of his faith and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not the Asheville way, but when people pick up rocks and throw them at you. Um, Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at the sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil, hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all the other things is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And what's interesting is as he's writing this letter, he has experienced all those things, and he calls them light afflictions, light and momentary afflictions. Like I look at that list and I say pick one, and I wouldn't categorize even that one as light or momentary. But yet Paul did because he's about to explain to them how. How, how in the world can he go through all of that and still have this glory of the Lord type of living. This, this, this living where Jesus is exalted. This living where he realizes his spirit is being renewed day by day. And call all that light and momentary troubles. So if you're ever having a bad day, just read that and think, okay, my day's not that bad, right? Well, let's look at back to verse 17. So back to chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what we've got it says for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And that's how he could say, listen, this light and momentary affliction, the ESV says preparing the NIV says achieving. It's the it's the same either way you look at it, because he's saying all this suffering that I went through and all these trials that I went through, they're not to be ignored. Actually, they did just the opposite. Because he says, he says, and actually all this stuff I can, I can go through because I'm not ignoring it, I'm actually paying attention to it because God is doing something in the midst of it. That God is progressing the gospel through all of my suffering. He'll even say in this letter that my suffering was for your benefit, right? Because the way God comforted me is the way that I'm going to comfort you. And so all of this was for a benefit. And so Paul is saying, listen, we are to pay attention to our suffering. Not ignore it, because God is doing something in it. These light afflictions, God is doing something in it. And so trials aren't to be avoided. Now, they're not to be glorified either, you know. But trials and suffering are understood to be doing something beyond the trial and suffering. Right? And so when you get fired from your work, like God is doing something for you and with you that goes beyond you getting fired. Right? When your friend doesn't want to be friends anymore, God is doing something in you and for you that goes beyond that friendship. Right? When your critics disapprove of your performance or your work, God is doing something in and through you that goes beyond that criticism. And when you struggle being alone, God is actually doing something in your loneliness, with you, and for you. And so Paul says there's this eternal glory on the other side. That's how we know that God is in the middle of it. Because God walks us through, right? That's the story of Noah and the Ark. God didn't teleport, teleport Nora, Noah and all the family and all the and his family and all the animals out of the flood. He walked them through the flood and took them through the flood. You see, Paul saying there's this eternal glory on the other side. Now, I, I know this, this is confusing, and I know Paul understands that what he just said is confusing. That's why he's going to unpack it a little bit, because there's people sitting in the congregation and, and reading this letter out loud in this church in Corinth. And they're like, what does Paul mean that there's eternal glory on the other side? And so he, he explains it just a little bit more so we can see this offer from Jesus to rest from our performance. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says this. It says, and as we look, and this, this phrase doesn't just mean to look with our eyes. It means to look with our soul. And, and, and what do we gaze upon? What do we think about? There's this great word called ruminate. Right? And it's kind of taken from what a cow does when it eats, you know, and it, and it eats the food, and then swallows it, and then regurgitates it back up again, and, and chews on it some more, and swallows it, and regurgitates it, and that's kind of its digestive process. That's where this word ruminate comes from. And, and this idea is, uh, of Paul says, as we look, it kind of brings that picture. that It's not just what we see with our eyes. It's what we see with our souls. What do we ruminate? What stories are we telling ourselves? Right? So, it's not just what we physically see, but what are our souls see and what's going on. He says, and as we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are, are, are transient or are temporary, but the things that are unseen are what? Eternal. So, the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So you see, Paul gives us this incredible truth here that the things that we see have more to them than what we see with our eyes, right? The things that we can, we can feel with our fingers, the things that we can touch, the things that, the things that we can hear and, and see that they're, that they're there to point us to something better. Now hear me, Paul is not saying that those temporary things are unimportant, right? We're not Gnostics. That's what that means, that the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. Paul is saying they're both good, they're both good, especially considering one points us to the other, that his sufferings point him to, to the glory of God. And so here's what I want you to do. I mean, think of the best day that you've ever had, right? What would you be doing on the best day you've ever had? For me, I'd either, oddly enough, be doing exactly what I'm doing right now because I've grown to love it and, and experience Jesus in it, or I'd be traveling through Europe with my wife. One of the other. Either one, they're actually kind of equal. Well, depending on the day, they move. But over the average, over the average, they're 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 fairly equal. But but here's the deal: either way, my best day is designed to point me to God, not to myself. Right? Because standing up here and teaching, there is this whole process of of prayer and transformation and and being with Jesus as I as I teach this and prepare to teach this uh, that I actually miss when I don't get to do this. Because it's designed to draw me closer to Jesus. And, and even traveling through Europe with my wife, with Stacy, like, like I get to see some of the most amazing paintings and, and, and incredible architecture. And what it does time and time again is just remind me of how creative our God is. Like it points me to, to something bigger. Now think of the worst day you've ever experienced. Right? What was the, the, the call? What was the email? What was the text? What was the doctor's diagnosis? What was that worst day you ever experienced? You see, mine was sitting at the lagoon at the Biltmore Estate, ruminating on what would happen. Would my death be more impactful than my life? And that moment scared the snot out of me, to be honest. And in that moment, I invited the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to, to bring light to this place. And he did. And he met me there. And I talked to people about it. And, 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 and I got to experience this truth from God uh, that, was, that was real and that was right and healed a part of my soul. And now that place at the lagoon isn't this place of despair. It is this place where Jesus and I meet. And so that, 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 that bad moment is there to, to point you to a good God. Now to help this, because see, here's the deal. Your, your awful moment is there to point you to something more permanent and more true than the suffering or the trial that, that you're experiencing. Now to help this become a little more concrete, I've got this board up here. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to use the word that, that Paul uses. And, and this is going to be the scene side right? This is going to be the unseen side. And we'll do a little line like that through it, because it's not separated a little bit, all right? And what I've got is I've got a list of things up here, and what I want you to do is to tell me which side it comes on. Now, after we do a few of these, I'm going to ask you to some. And I'm saying this to those online because I know there's a little bit of delay. So as soon as you hear me say this, I want you to start uh, leaving comments uh, wherever you're watching online and let us know uh, what some of these seen and uh, unseen things are. And then Amy will text me or somebody will text me and hopefully I'll see it on my phone. All right. So uh, I'm going to hold up some. So you online, go ahead. As soon as you hear this, start leaving some comments. All right. So Job, is it seen or unseen? Is it temporary, has a beginning and an end, or is it eternal? It's seen, right? It's seen. Oh, boy, I should have put some of these out, shouldn't I? All right, it's seen. What about God's love? Does it have a beginning and an end, or is it eternal? Eternal. Y'all got this. All right what about broken relationships seen good job what about uh god's family unseen it's eternal right like like what's that what's that poem that i heard once to to be in glory let's see to be above with the saints we love, all that will be glory. To be below with the saints we know, that's a different story. But God's family is eternal, right? What about school grades? Scene. Any grades from school ever feel eternal? I mean, you might have worked eternally hard to get them, but at the end of the day, that's when I, when I was doing my counseling degree, um, doing my graduate work, I had two phrases that I kept saying. One, D means degree, and C means counselor, um, because I always thought if I'm sitting in an office with someone and they go, "So what was your GPA?" I'm doing something wrong, right? Like like that that part of my my uh, work should never really come up on a normal day. What about wisdom? What about God's wisdom? Is it is it eternal or is it temporary? It's eternal. How about this? How about family? Seeing, right? Our kids, our parents. And parents, this is important to to remember that your kids are yours temporarily, right? You're to steward them and then to release them like arrows. And it gets confusing when we think they're ours eternally. What about God's presence? Eternal or or seen? Yeah. It's in the unseen. Ooh, uh, here's a good one. What about the house we live in? Mm Mm-hmm. It sure is. It's temporary. Anybody ever feel like that thing is eternal? (laughs) Eternally broken maybe or, right? Here's a good one too. What about the car we drive? It's temporary, isn't it? When you're in high school, did you ever think that that was your identity, was the car you drove? I didn't, because I had a 79 Malibu Classic that was Baby Blue. So I was hoping that it had nothing to do with my identity. What about God's resources? Oh, eternal, yeah. God says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What about, what about this? What about the crowd's approval, seen or unseen? Yeah, it's fickle, isn't it? Especially today, with this cancel culture we have, somebody can love you one day and hate you the next. Right? And you're the same person. What about God's approval, seen or unseen? Yeah. And then the last one I have is the critics' approval, which is kind of like the crowds. I don't know why I made two, but I did. What, 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 what do y'all have? Let me see if folks online have given us anything to, to add to this. What, what, what in particular do you see that's, that's seen? All right, what are some things that are seen? Anything that we don't have? Yeah. Oh, the body, yeah. That's good, because... Right? We, 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 our body's not eternal. Now, we have a resurrected body, but praise God, it's going to be different than this one. Right? What else is, what would be the, the counter to that? What would be the unseen et- et- soul? Yeah. Anything else? Let's do one more. Oh, we got one coming in online, so give me one more here, and I'll let this one come through. A glorified body, yeah. Good. Um our health. So that kind of goes with that. That's that's something that's temporary, isn't it? Yeah. That's great. Did y'all hear this? Seen, put feelings. And what's unseen is the Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, I'll stop because it would go into that. Um, uh, Seen, social media followers. All right. Followers of any kind, what would be um, what would be the, the the eternal part of that? <laughs> Do what? Followers. Followers and followers. Oh <laughs> FLO There you go. <laughs> That's the way we say it here in the mountains. <laughs> right? What would be the the the, the, the eternal counterpoint to that? good works unpack that for me as in doing things that God approves that no one else sees okay uh, so instead of followers it's god's approval right cuz you're saying doing things that god approves of even if nobody sees it or not right cuz that's what this is yeah so so it really is it's this one yeah god's approval but but it's un, it, but it's privately too right like like this is about public and the counterpoint to that is no privately God approves of you so so the public may have something for you but but that's not eternal good good let's see if there's anything else that comes through income yeah even if you have a job your income can fluctuate covid's taught us that hadn't it right What's the, the, the unseen part of that? Maybe God's resources, God's provision. This is good. So, so here's the deal. Here's, here's why I'm doing this. Thank you to those of you online. Thank you uh, to those of you here doing this. Here's, here's why I'm doing this. I truly believe both sides are important. And, and, and we take care of our bodies, right? Like we don't want to abuse our bodies. But the whole point of this is that this seen stuff is temporary. This unseen is permanent. And it's eternal. And when we get those flipped around, what happens is these things become ultimate. And these things become temporary. And y'all, that's where we get into performing. Because it takes a lot of work to keep those things ultimate, doesn't it? It takes a lot of work to to, to always go after the likes. It takes a lot of work to go after the critics' approval if that's ultimately what you're living your life for. And so, so, so when we look through the scene to see the unseen, there is rest there. And there is rest from our worth being determined by our results. Now, How does this give us rest from performance? We're going to end with just a couple of verses that we're going to put up on the board. Because because here's here's the deal. How do we know all this unseen stuff is true for you and me? How do we know that, 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 that all of this isn't just something God has on the other side of life for us? How do we know... We get to experience that stuff today. We'll have a couple of truths for you to consider. And if you're new to following Christ or, or Christ, uh, you're, you're, you're not a follower of Christ yet, this is particularly for you because it is a very simple truth that is true for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Uh, but it's a great truth for you if you're new to following Jesus. And it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're going to put it up on the screen or you can, you can look over on the, on the next chapter of this because here's what Paul says. He says, therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you are what Paul calls a brand new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Does that mean, does that, mean that you don't get older anymore? No. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But it means that there is something for us as we get older, right? That there is a new way of living, that Jesus' way is this new way of living. The old way of living is focused on the seen, right? But the new way of living is focusing on the unseen. The new way of living is seeing that there is an eternal happening in the temporary, That there is God's glory happening in the midst of everything that we can see and touch and heal. And and, and in that is real life. And so perhaps today you can let this life be your life. And so let's do something fun. We're going to do it on this verse and on the next one we're going to go over. I've taken out the the pronouns of the verse and I want you to put your name in it. Now, for those of you who are kind of smart-alecky, I don't mean say your name. I mean say your personal name, Right? Because, you know, there's some of you out there that thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to say your name. All right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say your actual name, right? And say it out loud. It says, Therefore, if, Fred, is in Christ, is a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Y'all, that is true about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, The old has passed away, and bam, that's Paul's word for behold, behold. the new has come, right? And so church, you are a new creation, which means in the midst of living in the seen, we have full access to the unseen. And we find our rest from performing and knowing that life is not found over here, but our life in Christ is found over here. And we get to live this, but we live for that. And we live from that. Right? And so we're not made new. Get this. We're not made new by new jobs. Are we? We're not made new by new money. Or Bitcoin. We're not made new by Bitcoin. Right? We're not made new by new school grades. We're not made new by even new schools. We're not made new by new subscribers. We're not made new by new cars or by new houses. We are made new in Christ. And the things that we used to perform for, the things that we used to work for to determine our worth by, by the results, Jesus gives us a rest from that. Which is why the Bible says this, and this is our last verse to, to consider. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer, it is, it, 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 it is, wait, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh life I live in the scene, I live by faith, right? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's right. So let's do the same thing. I've taken the pronouns out. Because this is true about you, church. And so say it with me. Say your name. Have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer who live, but Christ who lives in the life lives in the flesh, lives by faith in the Son of God, who loved and gave himself for. Woo, that's a mouthful, wasn't it? But y'all, it's true. That's our Jesus. He gives you a new life. He died for you so that you can live. See, this is why we can rest from our performance. Because when God sees us, he sees his son. And he approves his son. And so church, Jesus gives us rest, this sweet, sweet rest from working for the crowds and the critics, from working for their applause, and from working for our worth being determined by our results. And so here's the question for you. Is where is your worth determined by the results that you get? Think about that this week. And when you feel that struggle in your soul, that, that performer that wants to get the applause, pay attention to that performer. Where is it working for the scene? And let the Spirit show you the unseen reality. Let the Spirit show you the eternal truth that that performer is, is actually working toward. Right As we look to the unseen. And so what eternal truth is that temporary pointing you toward? Because there, church, we find rest for our souls. And as we go into worship, I want you to consider that question. As we go into music, as David and Jenna uh, come back up here, I want you to consider that question of where is your worth determined by your results? And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you about that. Because, y'all, I would love for you to leave this place with a deeper rest than you walked in. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a good and great Savior. And you want our rest to be found in you and nothing else because everything else is temporary. And so, Father, may we do that today. May we rest from performing. May we rest from our worth being found in anything, in any place other than you.